Please, can we thank Joe and Amanda Gersten real quick? Love them. Love their story. I, I got to be a part of their story a little bit when they first came to Phoenix Bible Church, brand new married. And that's one of my, my favorite things is to hear the journey people have been on in relationships. I, I vividly remember mine. I uh, really started my last year uh, of college. I was living with three guys, three of my best friends in the world, Sam, Nathan, and Butch. True story, real name. Uh, he's a math professor at a college, but his name is Butch, okay? Uh, so the last year of college, I was living with these guys, my best friends. We would travel together, laugh together, eat together, and, and just hang out together. And I remember thinking this, I could do this for the rest of my life. Sam, Nathan, Butch, that's all I need. And I remember one night specifically in the Piney Woods of East Texas, sitting on the back porch. And it was one of those nights like we had really like last night where the, the moon was close, you know, those nights. And it was so pretty and beautiful. And you could see all the stars in the sky and the weather was perfect. And I, I remember just something felt missing. Like in this moment, I thought like, man, there's something, there's a longing within me to share a night like this and other nights like this with, with like a mate, with like a companion. Now I had Butch next to me, but that's not what I meant. You know what I'm saying? I, I needed something, something different, something more. Like I wanted this lifelong companion to, sh to share these kind of experiences with. And so I, I felt that longing and I jumped out into this world to pursue a mate, to pursue a spouse. And I jumped out into this really strange, scary world called dating, right? And it, 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 was, it was complicated back then. People were kissing, dating goodbye. I was trying to kiss dating hello, it was very confusing, right? People had the, some people had the handbook. Like when I say that, like they didn't actually have like a physical handbook, but in their mind, they had one. In their church, they had one, like the DTR, defining the relationship and how that should work and step by step by step. And I just remember like, man, this is so, this is so confusing. And you need to know, here's the lie today is dating is finding someone who makes you happy. Here's, I need to take the pressure off of us right away today. I, I do believe that is a lie, but here's what I would say. Is your desire for a mate, your desire to be happy with a mate is not bad, right? Pre-fall, pre-sin, we see God tell Adam, it is not good for a man to be alone. And, and it's really crazy what we see happen. We see he, he gives Adam like some animals, and Adam's uh, kind of like me with Butch. He's kind of like, well, that's nice, but that's not really what I was thinking. And so then God gives him a woman and something changes. He breaks out in poetry and song, right? And, and you need to see like that picture, like finding, he who finds a wife finds a, a good thing, right? That's, that's a good thing. If you desire today, if, you, if you're not married, but you desire to be married, let me just take the pressure off. That's a good thing. Like, that's a good thing. And so we, we want to see that. But here's what we also want to see is the reality is if you look at Adam and Eve, and some of you might be thinking this, you're thinking, well, that was pretty easy for them, though. I mean, Adam got knocked out asleep, and then he woke up next to a naked woman. And then they got married. And then he said, be fruitful and multiply, right? Happily ever after. And it's a little bit, you might be thinking if you're single, if you're dating right now, you might be thinking, Tim, it's a little bit more complicated. I don't know if you, if you know, there's apps, and they're swiping right and left. And I don't even know, to be honest, I don't know which one is which. 
How scary is that? And, and there's like uh, all these, these movies and rom-coms and, and they're telling me stories and there's T-Swift and she, she knew he was trouble when he walked in. But she still dated him. And that's, that's confusing. If you knew it, why T-Swift? <laughs> it's confusing, right? And listen, it was confusing for me in 2001. It's confusing in 2023. And so we're going to talk about this topic of dating. Now, here's a couple of disclaimers right off the top that I have to give you. One is married people, you can't check out of this. So you think, how cute these couples who are still dating, like, yes, when does the football game start? How fast can I get out of here? No, no, no. Every week we've been saying this, right? What is this called that we are experiencing right now? A church family, right? We are a body of Christ. This is not an assembly of people who have some things in common. Amen? This is a gathering, like the body of Christ. So each one of you are members of the same body. So the reality is if you're married, some members of your body are hurting right now and confused and don't know what they're doing with dating and you need to come alongside and mentor them and help them. One of the things I love about our church, I love about our men's night, our women's night that's coming up is we are a multi-generational church. We're literally 80 people, 80 year old people are mentoring 18 year old people. It happened at our men's night, right? A, A guy came to me, he was 80 years old. He was like, man, it was so awesome. This 18 year old was asking me about his dating relationships and he just chuckled. Not because he was making fun of the guy, because he just loved that he got to speak into that. I love that about our church, don't you? Right? And so we all need to lean in on this. And here's the reality for married couples is you're not off the hook. You should never stop dating your spouse. And some of you, if you're honest today, you're like, it's it's been a while, Tim. Um, And so, okay, so this is for you too. We're going to rekindle that today. You're going to start dating your spouse tonight. You're going to put it on the calendar. Amen, dudes. You better say amen next to your wife. Uh, That's all I'm saying. Um, I want to help you. I want to help our dating couples. We should want to do that together. So that's what we're going to do today. Uh, We're going to look at the Bible. 2 Corinthians 6 already mentioned that. Um, We're going to look at uh, some things, though, that I've gotten from some resources that I've studied. I want to give them to you. Uh, You can write these down really briefly. Come get me afterwards if you don't have time to write it down. But we're not going to cover everything on dating today. Uh, But these resources helped me as I studied. I think they'll help you. Uh, One is The Meaning of Marriage by Tim Keller. The Meaning of Marriage by Tim Keller. Another one is Outdated by a guy named Jonathan Pakluda. And uh, the last one is Single, Dating, Engaged, Married. Covers everything by a guy named Ben Stewart. And so come see me afterwards. I can share those with you again. But let's look at God's word. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Uh, We're going to look at the purpose, the person, and the process of dating. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14, it says this. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Bilal? Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? So our, our first point is, the purpose when it comes to dating. And if you notice in that passage, pretty quickly, we get this imagery of being yoked together. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. And that's an important imagery. Uh, We have a picture we can throw on the screen. It's this idea of a yoke that would connect two animals together. And it was twofold, like it would keep them safe and keep them together, but it would also keep them going in the exact same direction. It was very 
purposeful, right? And so Paul uses that imagery really intentionally because he's talking about marriage. And he says, hey, this is what marriage is like. It's like being two people being bound together who are headed in the same direction, right? And he talks about that like that shouldn't happen with believers and unbelievers. Now, I feel like I have to clarify and always say this. What Paul is not saying is that you shouldn't hang out with unbelievers. What Paul is not saying is you shouldn't be friends with unbelievers. Absolutely, you should build relationships with unbelievers, share and show the love of Jesus with them. What Paul is talking about specifically is you shouldn't be yoked with unbelievers in marriage, right? And he compares it. He says, that's like light and darkness coming together and trying to be yoked together. That's like a false God with the son of God trying to be yoked together. Like this is like righteousness with lawlessness trying to you can't go in the same direction with light and darkness. You can't go in the same direction if one is righteous and one is lawless. They're going to inevitably pull in opposite, polar opposite directions, and it's going to go bad. And so Paul is making the case practically, but also just from God's word, his institution of marriage, that these two people that get married should be yoked together both believers going in the same direction. Now, some of you are thinking, Tim, oh, that's marriage. I thought you were talking about dating. And here's the reality, is dating is the process that leads to marriage. Dating's not actually in the Bible, and some of you are thinking that. And that's because it's not a status that we sit in. It's a process that we move through toward what is in the Bible, which is, is marriage, right? And so you, you want to start out as you frame up dating in your life, whatever age you find yourself in, you want to start out viewing it through a lens of this is for the purpose of marriage. And I think when we say that in the church, man, people get get kind of riled up, especially, man, if you're dating someone right now who's not a believer and you're like, well, man, they're, Tim, they, uh, they're, they don't know Christ yet, but they're trying. And they, you know, they, they, they come to church with me and, you know, I mean, just like, that sounds a little bit legalistic. I mean, we're not married yet. I mean, can't we just can we just date for fun? I mean, isn't it just a good process to kind of like learn relationships before we get married? And that's, that's really permanent. And you're talking about being yoked together, like bound together. My neck is in there. And like, and I just, I'm not actually trying to be yoked together, Tim. I'm just, we're keeping it casual. I mean, we're hanging out. We're just talking. And what I would say to you is that's your first problem with dating is that you aren't seeing it with a purpose of marriage. Here's what you're, we say like, well, no, Tim, that's where we learn. It's kind of like the training ground. Here's what you're learning in dating just for fun. You ready? You're learning how to break up. You're practicing for divorce. If, if, you're just, if it's just for fun, here's the reality. One day, two weeks from now, two years from now, what's gonna happen? It's just for fun. We're not getting married you break up. And despite whatever movie you've seen that's funny in a rom-com, it's painful. And you know this, right? It's painful. And like, when you just date for fun with no idea of marriage in sight, you're, you're practicing for divorce. You're just learning how to break up. And I don't want that for you. That, that's not fun. Amen? That's, that doesn't sound fun to me. Now, here, here's the reality. Here's the caveat I would give. Some of you are thinking, again, this seems pretty extreme, Tim. Uh, I got to know if I want to marry him and it takes some time. And I would say, absolutely. 
If you were to know 100% that you wanted to marry that person, just marry them. You don't even need to date. And I know that's unrealistic. And so you do need to date, but, but date with a purpose of marriage. And that will save you from a lot of pain and anxiety and even shame. Because it's kind of a chaotic world out there right now in dating. With all the apps and with all the date, it's this postured as dating for fun. And you see it in movies and it, it, it looks fun to watch, but it's not very fun to live, right? Uh, David Brooks, an author in the New York Times, he, he said it this way specifically about dating as it relates to young people. He said, they hit puberty around 13 and many don't get married until they're past 30, That's two decades of coupling, uncoupling, hooking up, relationships, and shopping around. This period isn't a transition anymore. It's a sprawling life stage, and nobody knows the rules. Once, young people came a calling as a part of courtship. Then they had dating and going steady. But the rules of courtship have dissolved. They've been replaced by ambiguity and uncertainty. You have cell phones, Facebook, and text messages giving people access to hundreds of friends, quote unquote, that only increases the fluidity, drama, and anxiety. I think that's a very accurate picture of what's happening in our world when it comes to dating, right? And it's, it's chaos. It's anxiety. And listen, I believe it can be joy and growth as you see it as a purpose for marriage. Dating is not just for fun. Dating is for finding out. Okay. Just write that down. Dating is not just for fun. It's for finding out if this is someone you should, should marry and you have an eye towards that. Listen, once you get that purpose down, it starts to refine and refine and set a framework for the person that you should date. And that's our next thing is the person. Second Corinthians six, Paul eliminates some options, right? He says, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers, right? Right away, he says, hey, here, here's what you should, here's, here's not your person. If you're a believer in Jesus, it's not an unbeliever. And again, it's back to that imagery of the yoke. You can throw that picture back up on the screen. That the reality is if you have two people in marriage, marriage is being yoked together. It's two people bound together, going in the same direction for the rest of their lives. That's what marriage is biblically. And as you look for a person, if they're not a believer, you're going this way and they're going that way, that way, or even that way. And what that does, if you keep that image up there, it starts to, to wear thin that bond. It starts to bring tension and conflict. And eventually it breaks apart. And that's called divorce. And that's called two Christmases, splitting kids apart. Listen, a lot of that happens years into marriage, but it started in singleness. It started in dating with those thoughts of like, no, she's, she's trying. I know she's not a believer, but she comes to church. I mean, he, he, like, he believes in God. I mean, Jesus, he's still working it out. Like he likes to debate a lot about Jesus, but you know, he doesn't really know him, but I'm praying for him. I'm evangelizing him. And I've, man, I've, I've done premarital counseling. I've done marriage counseling. And it's so many problems. They didn't start in year five of marriage, year 50 of marriage. They started in the dating process of being unequally yoked. And so Paul's just gonna eliminate some of those some of those options. 
And, and listen, some of you are thinking, again, Tim, like, but man, you, I love this person and they're good hearted. They're not an evil person and they have good values. And they, they, he said he would, he would try. If we're gonna get married, that he would try. And he or she would try, like he would, she would come to church with me. And li, li, I think, can't, can't God do anything? And can't God work through my faith to help this person have faith? Isn't that the, the loving thing to do? Listen, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you a, a deep theological truth. If you're taking notes, write this down. You are not Jesus. Second one, you are not the Holy Spirit. You cannot change another person. You can't change the person you're married to. You can't change the person you're in covenant to. You think you can change the person that you're dating? You're not Jesus. You're not the Holy Spirit. If they are truly heading in the right direction, asking questions about God in the church, learning, they genuinely want to learn, let them do that and let the Holy Spirit change them first. And then you could see about dating them. And then you could see about, about marriage, right? Listen, I, I know this is hard. I know that's like, for some of you, especially you're in that kind of situation, I, I know this is hard. And so I wanna give you some tools to help you with this. I wanna give you some questions to ask so you can see like, what kind of person do I need to be dating? They need to know Jesus, but let's get into it a little bit more. I wanna give you some tools for that. So here's some questions you can ask and write down. The first question is, do they have a personal relationship with Jesus, not just knowledge about Jesus, right? It's not just, do they go to church? Uh, can they answer some questions on Bible trivia? It's not just, I mean, some people do like to debate, talk about faith. No, do they have a personal relationship with Jesus? They talk to him. They, they give money. They, they share and show the love of Jesus with other people. They're not self-consumed. They're self-surrendered to Jesus. Do they have a personal relationship with Jesus? A scripture that's really helpful for all of these questions is Proverbs 31, is that charm is deceptive, beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Now, it's talking about women there, but we could apply this standard to men as well. A, a woman or a man who fears the Lord who has a personal relationship with the Lord. I think a good definition of, of what fearing the Lord means is that God is the priority and authority of their life. God is the priority and authority of their life. It's not just he, he goes to church sometimes. It's they have a personal relationship with God. He's the priority and authority of all of their life. Another question along those lines you can ask is, do they spend, this is really practical, really helpful. Do they spend more in the word, more time in the word of God than they do in the gym? Like, do they spend time with the word of God in the gym? Hey, we'll count that. But like if they, if they add up the time and maybe it's not the gym, maybe it's a hobby or whatever, do they spend more time in the word of God than they do with that hobby? You see, that, that's what's informing and affecting the direction of their lives, the priority and authority of their lives. And so what does that look like for them? As you look for that person, you need to be asking that question. And one of the reasons, especially related to the gym, since we're on that subject, Proverbs 31 says, charm is deceptive. Beauty is fleeting. See, here, here's, here's actually, we're gonna get to that in a second, but here, here's a lie I need to address. There's a lot of lies, lies about love. This is the series we're in. One lie that the church has given off is that physical attraction is 
not important. Doesn't matter. You just want somebody godly. And let me just tell you, that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I mean, just physical attraction is important. If you are completely uh, repulsed, you should not get married to that person, right? There's wisdom literature in the Bible. Can anybody say amen to this? Is this just me? Like you need to see somebody across the way and not be like, gross. But are they godly? Do they read their Bible? Like, and that's, I just, I think I just need to say that, correct that lie today. Like you should be physically attracted to somebody. It's important, but here's the deal. It is not priority. Why? Because charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting. Like people get sick and they don't look the same when they're 20. People age and they don't look the same. It's, it's fleeting. It's like a vapor, right? We see this in Hollywood all the time, right? Like all the people in the rom-coms, like Matthew McConaughey and whoever else he's with all the time. I, I haven't seen, he's getting a little bit up there. I haven't seen him in as many. Like as they get a little bit older, it starts to switch to a different genre. Anybody, anybody notice this? And I'm not saying like old people aren't beautiful. I'm just saying what you mean by looking for beauty and physical attraction and making that priority, it's fleeting. It's not gonna last. It's not gonna sustain you when you get cancer. It's not gonna sustain you when you're working two jobs, when you have kids and it's complicated. It's not gonna sustain you. And the scriptures know that. So they don't just look for a person who hits the gym all the time and it's a certain height or shorter than you. Come on. I know y'all got some lists, right? And those things are at the top of your list. And that says you're setting yourself up for, for failure. Don't do that. You should be physically attracted. It's important, but it's not priority. You want to look for somebody who fears the Lord, somebody who has priority and authority in the, the Lord. That's what's going to sustain you when you get cancer. That's what's going to sustain you uh, at 20 years into marriage, 50 years into marriage, five years into marriage, is when you have somebody who you're yoked together and you're heading the same direction, your priority and authority is the Lord. Their priority and authority is the Lord. And they're saturating their heart and mind with the words of God, not just in the gym or not just out cycling. That's not going to sustain you. Those things are fun. We're going to talk about that in a moment. But that's not what sustains a healthy, joyful marriage. And so look for somebody who spends time in God's word, who has the Lord as his priority and authority. Look for somebody that loves and serves others and is not just about them. Honestly, if they look that good, you need to be asking some questions. Because their morning routine, their night routine, what they're eating, man, that's all about them. And you want to be like, hey, so how's that going to work when they marry me? How are they going to love and serve me? How, how are they going to love and serve other people? How are we going to do that together? Uh, you want to ask this last question, do they belong to a community of believers, not just do they go to church? This one's big, right? Because some of you, you do have some boxes. You're like, no, Tim, priority authority. Yeah, every Sunday morning, they go to this church. I'm going to check that one off. No, no, no. Do people know them? Are they known in community? Listen, anybody can put on a great mask and take you out on a date and sell you on the world, right? They just read a magazine and they can do that. 
watch The Bachelor, and they can kind of try to do that. What you want to see is not just that person one-on-one. You want to see that person in community. You want to see that person with like the summary of their five friends. That's who they are. You want to see what do they look like there? And if they're just cutting up, and if they're just a flat-out idiot, if they're just gossiping all the time with their community, hey, you want to run, forest, run. Because that's who, and you're like, but no, but when he's with me, he's just different. I don't know what it is. He's just so sweet. He's just nothing like that. Red flag. (laughs) And how do you know this? Because they actually have a community of believers around them. They actually, you were to say like, what church do you go to? Oh, Phoenix Bible Church. And and y'all should do this and go to the church, talk to the staff and be like, y'all know this guy? (laughs) Is he really, is he on your records? You should do that. A little creepy, but I I would do that. If my daughter, I would do that. I, I want to do that for you. So are they a part of a community of believers? Do they belong to a church? Not just do they attend a church. And here's the reality. What you want to see is progress with this, not perfection. You want to see progress, right? Because the Holy Spirit, if if the Holy Spirit's indwelling them, the Spirit does two things. It grows somebody. It bears fruit. It brings change. That's three things. But you know what I'm saying? The Holy Spirit, it's, and you're like, maybe it's just inch by inch. Crawling, like growth, progress, but they're growing. You want to look for that. Here's what you want to look for is somebody who's faithful, available, and teachable. Fat, right? That's what you want to look for. And again, if you hear the opposite of that, if you hear, if you hear this phrase a lot, I know, I know, I know, I know. Run, forest, run. Because that's somebody who's not willing to grow. They already know everything. And you want to you be yoked together going in the same direction with people who know they're on a journey. They're, they're a work in progress. They're not a finished statue yet. They are just a block of marble, but they want to grow in Christ. Amen? That, that's the kind of, you want to see some progress, right? But you also, you don't want to look for perfection. I love this quote by Kathy Keller, the wife of Tim Keller. She said it this way, most people are looking for a finished statue when they should be looking for a wonderful block of marble that many of us, we get off the rails in dating, looking for a spouse, when we look for that soulmate, the one who Jerry Maguire will complete us, right? And that perfect one person out of 8 billion people in the world that's gonna fit me, right? We're finding the one. And, and here's what you say, and I know some of y'all are holding hands with your sweetie right now, and you're like, baby, you are my one. I don't care what he says. Listen, I, you know, she is the one. You know why? Because you married her. So she's the one. And I think sometimes we get off on this like soulmate, perfect one, and we're just like looking for that person that's just gonna like uh, make all of the world make sense to us, right? And, and be our other half and just like, you don't have to say anything. They just know how you feel. And again, someone who has done premarital counseling and post-married counseling, those are the people that need counseling the most because they... They thought like, no, they're the one, so this should be easy, right? (laughs) We shouldn't have to communicate or get counseling or work on this thing. It should just be easy. Listen, every relationship takes work. Your relationship with your truck takes work. Like you gotta take it to get maintenance. You gotta figure it out, see what's on the inside. Do you think your relationship with a flawed human being is not gonna take work? I don't care if they're the one. It takes work. 
But this idea of the one that saturates our movies and our shows and our music, infiltrates our marriages, and then we get all shaken up when this marriage, this one takes work. And what I'm telling you is I'm just to save you, they're gonna take some work and so are you. And so we gotta get this idea of like the soulmate off the table. And here's the last thing I would say about that is here's what this often does, it leads to divorce. Because you get 20 years into the thing and you're like, man, I thought this was gonna be easy and beautiful. I thought it was gonna be romantic. I thought it was gonna be like the Golden Bachelor. I mean, I haven't watched the Golden Bachelor um, at all, but I've heard, I've heard. Um, there's this one scene where he's dating this girl. It's this 70 year old guy on The Bachelor, right? Golden Bachelor. Don't necessarily go watch it. Just forget what I just said. But there's this scene where he's like, uh, they're flying on this date with one of the several women. Um, and they're flying in on a helicopter, and that's, if that's not romantic enough, they see this yacht, beautiful yacht in the water, and she's like, oh my gosh, are we going to fly? Are we going to land on that thing? Oh my goodness, I'm scared, but I'm so happy. I'm like, kiss me right now. And, and you see this, this whole scene, and, and he says they're on the boat, and they're just by themselves. They flew on it, landed on this yacht, and he says, like, I think I might have found the one. And I'm like, Really? Of course you did. Like you're on, you, you flew a helicopter onto a yacht and you're in a private hot tub with a beautiful woman that you think is beautiful. Like, I mean, just in this whole idea and then, but what happens when you're not on the yacht and you didn't fly with a helicopter and there's no TV cameras and you're just in a house and you just had a conversation and an argument? Well, then you start to think, maybe I haven't found the one. And maybe the one is still out there. And then people go back on The Bachelor. <laughs> and, you, and you start, and I, I get it all the time. Tim, I think I need to, it's just, he doesn't make me happy anymore. And maybe there's somebody else. Maybe it was the wrong one. Maybe there's somebody else. And I would just say, that's a lie from the enemy. That the one is who you married. Now I'm not talking, if there's abuse, or, talk to me afterwards. That's something different. But everybody just wants to hop out to go find the real one. The one is sitting next to you. The grass is not greener on the other side. It's greener where you water it. And some of you, again, this is why we're married couples here today. need to hear this. You need to date your spouse. You need to work on your marriage. You need to stop being shocked by the conflict and start talking about the conflict. You need to get a counselor, a pastor involved and get some healing, forgiveness. You need to start having fun again in your marriage. Find some shared interests. Drop your pride and love your spouse. And that's, as we think about Phoenix Bible Church, I want a church like that. I want a church that's got some older people who are married, who are telling our young people, this is how we dated, and this is how we date now. Amen? We got some vibrant marriages who aren't perfect, but are pouring into our younger generation, saving them from some of that pain as they find the person for them. Here's the last thing, and we'll go quick. The last thing is, the process. I want to give you some tools. Like, what does this look like? And listen, there's not a handbook, but here's just some wise principles. Here's the first thing is less pretending, more pursuing. Less pretending, more pursuing. Here's another lie that we kind of say in the church is, hey, if you'll be content with God, then he'll give you a spouse. And so here's what we have in the church is a lot of people pretending to be content with God so that he will give them a spouse. I mean, we have people just like, Jesus, you're the, you're the only one for me. You are enough. And then they're like, is she, bring her, is, she, is she right there now? Is it good? Did I crack the code? 
And you need to know, like, stop pretending you don't want a spouse. And listen, again, go back and listen to Pastor Caleb's sermon from last week. We talked about like, hey, the goal is not marriage. The goal is Jesus Christ. Um, so the goal of just being single is not preparation for a purpose. You have a purpose right now. Amen. I'm not going to re-preach that sermon, but I'm just saying, if you actually do want a spouse, you should pursue that and stop acting like you don't want to, right? God will, will work through you. Like that's how everything else in life works. You step out in obedience. You step out in pursuit to go get that job. And he gives you wisdom and discernment along the way. It's the same way with a spouse. So stop pretending and start pursuing. The second thing is clarity is kindness. And I would say the flip side of that is confusion is cruel. Clarity is kindness. So you need to be, as you think about dating and the process, you need to be direct. You need to be intentional. Here's something like I massively royally screwed up in my dating process with my wife and somehow God's grace intervened. I just, man, I I danced around the topic too often. We were friends for too long. I I knew I, I was interested in her, but I was just, to be honest, I was scared. Because I had, just to be real honest with you, I had seen her shut down so many other boys. And I didn't want to ride in their wake. (laughs) So I remember talking to her like at at an IHOP, very romantic. And she was just telling me like, yeah, Mikey, this guy we both knew, Mikey, he was like hanging out with me and like we were at this thing. And then he just like asked me out. And she was like, ask me out like that. And remember, I, I liked her and I was kind of like, oh my gosh, what a, that's so weird. Oh, shoot. Um, and man, like, honestly, guys, it took me like two years to ask her out. Because I've just seen these guys get shut down and praise God, I hope that same thing for my daughter. Amen, hallelujah, let's speak it prophetically. Uh, carry that same spirit of Jaya down to Nila and Tanavi. Okay, yes, amen. Thank you, God. But yeah, I mean, I just like, but I needed to be more direct. And listen, and I didn't because it was a risk. Right? I was going to risk being that guy. Listen, and here's, here's the deal, guys, you lead the way in this. And, and we, we don't do it because we, ah, if I just asked her out, like that's a little risky. Listen, all of your life is a risk. You invest in stocks and roll the dice like nothing. That's a risk. Like you climb a mountain. That's, that's a risk. You, you ride motorized vehicles in Phoenix, in this traffic, in this grid, you, you're willing to risk in every part of life, but not for a girl that could be a mate, that it could be this beautiful institution of marriage. Ask a girl out. You're welcome. Uh, here's another one that's not really quick, but we're gonna try to make quick. You need to be clear around sexual boundaries. Like when you're in the dating relationship, clarity is kindness. Some of us, we think well, like, no, I'll, I'll just, and we don't, we would never say this, but we think, we act in dating, like I'll stumble into holiness. Listen, nobody ever stumbles into holiness, but a lot of people stumble into sexual sin, pain, and shame. That's devastating. So that's why Song of Solomon chapter two says, don't awaken love before it's time. Romans 13 says, make no provision for the flesh. I talk to so many dating couples and they say, well, you, you know, we, they use this phrase, we fell into sexual sin. And I'm like, well, what happened? And they're like, well, hey, okay, so we were at, here's what happened. We were at her apartment. It was late at night. Uh, I had the R&B mix on. Uh, we just drank a little wine and some chocolate. Uh, and then 
bam. And I'm just like, bro, you didn't fall into sexual sin. You did a cannonball into that thing. Like, and you need, to, you need to set some clear boundaries when you are dating. You need to be private and public. Uh, one of my favorite things that my wife and did, I did, and we didn't do it all right, but one of the things we got right was we would play tennis together on our dates for like six hours <laughs> because we played tennis for like 30 minutes and just talked on a tennis court by ourselves in Nacogdoches, Texas, and just got to know each other. And there wasn't a lot that could happen on a public tennis court at Stephen F. Austin State University. I think we might've gotten arrested, you know? Like, and so when we just said, like, let's, let's clarity's kindness. Let's just be clear about those boundaries. Here's the reality. We preached on sex a few weeks ago, so I'm not gonna re-preach that sermon. God is not anti-sex. God is pro-sex. God loves sex. God loves you. What he hates is the distortion of it because that causes you pain, right? And so you need to set some, make no provision for the flesh, Guys, again, you need to lead out in this and say, Here, here's just some clear boundaries we're going to have. Here's the way we are going to date. Because even biologically, if you're like, well, Tim, that's, that's pretentious, that's old, that's ancient. Biologically, when you have sex with somebody, do you know what happens? Dopamine is released in your brain. That's a, a pleasure sensor. And also oxytocin, that's a bonding. And biologically, when you have sex with somebody before you're married, all of a sudden now it's even more confusing if dating wasn't confusing enough. Because now you're bonded to that person and you think, well, they don't know Jesus or they're not growing in Jesus. They don't belong to a community of believers, but we already had sex and we feel like it's just too late to go back now. And then again, we have post-marriage counseling. We have divorce. And I would just, and listen, if you've messed up sexually, I'm not saying there's shame over your life. I'm not saying you're condemned. You can be forgiven and healed in Jesus' name. But I'm saying pursue that right now and get some clarity around that right now and save yourself from some of that pain. The third thing is cultivate friendship. Cultivate friendship. Listen, I don't want to crush your hopes and dreams around marriage, but I kind of do. (laughs) Marriage is not all about sex and romance, no matter what movie you saw or what show you saw or what book you've read. The majority of marriage, even if you have a great sex life, the majority of marriage is friendship, right? Start to cultivate that now in dating. Start to find shared interests, study her, study him, ask questions, right? And cultivate friendships. Uh, For our widows in the room, I want to speak to you just briefly. I I know that a lot of this is kind of weird because you're like, well, Tim, I'm just not in that season anymore. I don't don't want today, and this is good for young people. I want to help other people, and I hope you do that. But I want to say to you is you cultivate friendship. One of my, my favorite people in the world is a guy named Gail Wyatt. He's 80 plus years old. He mentored me while, he was, while I was in college. We read books out loud together, scripture out loud together, transformative in my life. I would talk to him about my dating relationship with Jay at the time. And yet he was single for his whole life. And it, one of the most impactful people I've ever known and still is. And he would go on trips with a group of people and they were married and there was this one lady who was about his age, and she wasn't married. And I would always ask him, Gail, so when, uh, <laughs> when are you going to go in on that? And he's like, I, I just, I want, we're friends, and it's great, and it's joyful. And I would say, for our widows in the room, you can find that. If you're not interested in dating, that's okay. Like, cultivate that. If you're, if you're in marriage, again, cultivate. Continue to cultivate friendships. Don't stop, stop dating your spouse. Some of you need to find some shared interests. Some of you need to hang out together. Some of you need to get a babysitter. That's the most spiritual thing you can do today. Right? Sign up a babysitter. 
Last thing, start in community. Again, this is not a handbook for dating. There's not one. So much of dating is there's wisdom and accountability in community. So start there. Proverbs 13, 20 says it this way, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise. So two things, you do need to know their friends. You need to start in community. You do need to see the way they interact with those kind of people. You need to ask them questions, right? And you need to have friends. Listen, because you have, if you don't have godly, wise counsel in your life, you're just following your heart and following your feelings. And here's what they do is they lie to you, right? And they change, they ebb and flow. And so you need some godly people to counsel your feelings and to call out the lies because you are believing some lies. And so you need to start in that community. Listen, here, here's the reality is love is not just a feeling. That's why you need community, but that's also why you need Jesus. I love it. First Corinthians 13 says it this way, love never fails. Love is not a feeling. No, love never fails. That's true love. And some of you today, I know as we talk about dating, some of you today are like, man, you are married. And you're like, man, we didn't do this. We didn't go through this process. Some of you are dating right now and you're just like, man, we've, we've screwed this thing up. Some of you want to date and you're just like, this seems so daunting and you're feeling some anxiety and pain and shame. And here's what I would tell you is praise God that love is not just this feeling and dating is not this thing you just got to figure out that you can look to a Jesus that his love never fails and you anchor in his love today and you confess all the ways that you've screwed up and you be healed and you start afresh. That's what the love of Jesus that never fails, that's more than a feeling, that's what he can do in you and that's what he can do in your relationships. So submit your dating relationship to him. We're gonna sing as we close. We're gonna have an opportunity to come down and pray. Man, it'd be a great idea to pray for the other couples in our church. Pray for your marriage. I I, I long for a church that has vibrant marriages who aren't perfect, but are anchored in the love that never fails in Jesus Christ. I long for dating couples who will share those stories, who are in those journeys. If you need prayer, come down and get it. And let's pray together as we close. Father in heaven, thank you for this morning. God, I thank you for the opportunity to talk about this topic, to talk about it from your word. God, I know that there's men and women in here who are feeling the anxiety, feeling the the shame, feeling like they miss this moment if they're married and they can't go back. God, I pray that they would just rest in your love that never fails. It's more than a feeling. And God, I pray for our dating couples that they would be guided by your love that never fails, anchored in your truth and your purpose for dating. And they would see less pain and anxiety and more joy and growth. God, what a beautiful season that that you have given our young couples in this room or couples of any age, single people, to navigate, to lean on you, to feel your love, to experience it and to pursue love. It can be a gift. And God, I pray that that would be the story for many. And that if forgiveness is needed and wisdom is needed and healing is needed, that would happen as we come down and pray, as we pray where we are seated, as we sing about finding our love first in Jesus Christ. We pray that in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen.